Well, good afternoon. Thank you, sir. Um, you know what? I can't promise 10 minutes, but I'll definitely make it as short as I can. And I promise you that. I promise. Um, uh, so the, with, the, uh, with Marion Earl, um, I actually have some updated times and um, days. So if you are interested in, which I've got nothing but I've got several emails this week. And the teachers and the staff are really, really excited. I would really ask you to consider being a part of this Nevada Reading Week, okay? Because they, they want us in that school. They really want us in that school. And then also, um, I have a date, um, if you come talk to me, where if you want to talk about your career, if you want to talk about uh, what you've done or maybe from in the past, they also have that for the kids as well. And um, they would love it if you'd come in for about 15 minutes and make a presentation um, for that. So the more people we have signed up, the more saturated that school becomes with people that are in this church. So um, I just want to put that out there. And if you have a leave still that you got from last week, um, again, I only had a few left. If you could make sure I get those back, I have them with me today. Um, thank you for everybody who wrote on them. If you do still have a leave, I need that today. So this way I can bring that back to the school and give that to uh, everybody, okay? So if you still have that, please bring it. Um, but if you don't, for some reason, it's not too late. I could always hand off another one. It just gives me a reason to go back up there, so, which is not a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, so come see me after service if you're interested. I will stick around, um, and I'll let you know the uh, times and the dates that are available. Um, and there's only two days left. One has more slots, and one only has one, so... First come, first serve, if that's what you want. Anyway, so on with the message. Um, so Friday, um, and um, if you guys could pray for Pastor Thomas, um, sick, I believe, and um, we're not here anyway, so um, please keep that family up in your prayers, especially uh, Jessie, because uh, she's pregnant and beautiful, you know what I mean? So we're going to have a, a lot of uh, kids coming uh, now or on their way, so um, please continue to uphold that family. Uh, moms and everybody included. Um, but um, Friday, I uh, went out like, hey, we're going to have a unity service, and um, it'd be a really good idea to maybe have somebody talk about something that's on your heart. And um, I kind of wait, and I'm like, usually I'm like, kind of like, I'll do it. And I wait and just kind of see and who wants, and then um, everybody agreed. And so here I am. And so I agonized. <laughs> I thought it was going to be really easy. <laughs> it's not. If you have never put together a message, like, don't take for granted that these pastors are working really hard <laughs> to try to bring you something they, they feel like God has uh, not only given to you, but wants to pass on to you guys. And uh, because then you're telling your friends and so on. Um, these are things that are meant to not only motivate you, but change your lives. Um, and so I was stressed out, and Tina will tell you. And yesterday, like, I was really excited about this meatloaf dish that I was going to make. I cook in my house, by the way. Um, and I had this bomb recipe. I was like, I'm going to make this thing. It's going to be incredible. And I was so frustrated and flustered, I could not concentrate. And I ended up not making the meatloaf, but I'm making it tonight. And I'm going to make it TV dinner style. I'm going to make my own cream corn, and there's going to be potatoes and all that. Steam broccoli and an address, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so I'm very excited about making this. There'll be a lot of prep after I leave today uh, to get this done and put together. Um, and fortunately, our, our, our beautiful son, Christopher, will be over so he can eat dinner with us and hang out. 
Um, so it's going to be a good time. But um, all that to say that I got so frustrated, I went to my wife and I said, hey, we had the baby over, Amelia, we love her, she's so awesome. And um, I had to go into my office and I had to pull myself away from what just seemed like an over, I was just so overly saturated with things that were going on that I couldn't focus on one thing. And this message that was kind of labored out of that ended up changing. <laughs> so I sat down in my office and I just prayed and I just kind of was like, God, I don't know what's going on. I'm just really frustrated. I mean, to the point to where I was angry. <laughs> and I just sat and I just let God minister. And one of the things that God spoke to me in that time is it's, it's when you're intentional about seeking his face, he will meet you there. And he really, uh, you know, calmed, and it was good, and we had the rest of our night, and we actually got to sit down and watch uh, Bel Air. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, anyway, drama all day. But um, we got to watch that together and actually have a meal and stuff, and it was good. Um, and then I went to sleep thinking that one message was what I was going to preach, and then I got up at 5 o'clock this morning, and God was like, go into the office. And I'm like, all right. So I sit down. And typically, and people who know, I have something more presentable. It's like boulevard letterhead on the top and the bottom, and it's all whatever. Nope, it was good old notes, and God was just downloading things. And so I was just trying to scramble to write everything. So if it seems a bit disjointed, I promise you it's going to come together. I really felt like God was uh, doing something big in this. So um, the original message was going to be called Value. <laughs> I still think... Um, it is an appropriate title. Um, it's better than untitled. I told Amelia, I was like, that felt lazy. I don't think I want to call it untitled. And uh, I just thought, I figured value was good for it. But I'm just going to get right into it. Um, so let's start at Genesis 17 and uh, 1. And yes, we're going Old Testament. A uh, lot of great reading in the reading plan for that lately. And um, we've kind of been doing our own deep dives between me and my wife, having really good talks and conversations about things, and it's just incredible to see how God just is weaved in all of this. It's, it's amazing. If you ever just sit long enough. Okay, so uh, verse 17, 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, <laughs> some of us have a really hard time thinking about that age, <laughs> and we know some people who have uh, finally passed after being over 100, but when Abraham or Abram, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I want you to put that last part of the verse in your pocket. Walk before me and be blameless. Let's keep going. Verse 2. That I may take my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Uh, keep going. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Um, so those first six verses, I feel like the value will be intrinsic 
as we're going through and towards the end. But one of the things that God spoke to me in a word that I actually, um, I don't know if you ever see me, I'm over here. And if the word is going or, or, or worship or whatever, and I'm just kind of jotting things down in my phone, it's like God's just kind of like downloading things. And it's never all, always the time or somebody will come up and it'll just be a word for somebody or something and I'll use it. Um, but I felt like God wanted to make us understand altar and altar. Even though they sound like they're the same words, they have two different meanings, right? So we understand the altar to be a place to come and to sacrifice and to give up, to get rid of, to burn up something, give it to God, and then to be altered is to change. And by its definition, to alter is just, sometimes it's just the littlest change that will change a trajectory. Um, I used to work in fencing for a long time, and we used to set up these large and long rows of just backbone is what they call it, backbone fence, that was going to start framing out all of these different development houses that were about to be built in between. And we had to make sure that we snapped all of our lines precisely, and the holes needed to be dug to set up all these posts and run everything down. And one small measurement, one foot, one way or the other, is enough to change the entire trajectory of this fence line that's going all the way down before it can be framed. And we were talking about change orders and stuff. <laughs> Me and my wife and uh, Trist and Erica and stuff, we were talking about change orders and stuff. And those things become very expensive redos because then you have to pull out all the work. You have to start over, snap a new line, and make everything work. To be altered, one small little bit can change a whole trajectory. Abraham, his life, before he leaves Mesopotamia and ends up, I believe it's in Canaan, and he's already kind of set on this trajectory. And God kind of comes in, not even kind of, but like invades his life in, in very significant ways. And not just stopped at verse 17, but changes the course of his life. In a word, he encounters God, and the trajectory becomes altered. And then we go into Genesis 21, starting at verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah. There's a theme here. <laughs> as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son at his old age or in his old age? Um, some of the moments that we see here is, Sarah is now visited. 
by God who is now altering the course of a life again. And the circumcision sounds different. And circumcision, if you go backwards in, verse, in uh, chapter 17, this is God's promise and covenant to Abraham that says, hey, everybody in your household has to be circumcised <laughs> because this is my mark I'm going to leave on you and everybody else that comes in and it's going to be a part of my covenant of this blessing of fruitfulness, nations, and so on, right? So can you kind of imagine that conversation like going to the guys that are serving in the house and you're like, hey, bro, um, so God is promising something to me and like, if you want to continue working in this fine establishment, uh, we're going to have to do something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how that conversation could have been done, but it's almost like that Oprah thing, like, you get a covenant, and you get a covenant, and you get a covenant, and he's going around just kind of cutting, doing all this stuff. I'm sorry if that seems a bit crass, but that's just how it played out in my mind. <laughs> and so as he's eight days years old, right, <laughs> Isaac has been made a part of this covenant because Abraham obeyed God and did what he said he would do. Uh, verse 21 and 1, um, as the Lord visits Sarah, this is another encountered or altered moment. Um, in verse 3, we find out that the child's name will be Isaac. And it's funny because in the Hebrew, his name means laughter, right? Like, And you think like, oh, that's kind of weird or whatever. But like, it's Sarah then declaring in a few verses further People are going to laugh over me because, like, my, my husband is 100 years old, right? And we are now conceiving a child. Like, she's nursing a kid at, like, 100 and something, right? Like, these things become so hard for us to imagine in concept, but this was God's promise to people. Like, we see people living over 400 years, and that's hard for us to imagine, but this is what God did to expand or push out lineage as people are then being born because a promise has been made to Abraham. And so his covenant with God is then honored eight days years old, right? And um, when we think of how we're, we're, we're looking at Sarah, and she, can you imagine how hysterical that has to be? Like when you're talking to people, and it's like, oh, look at my son. <laughs> like people are just carrying on, and they're like, oh, my God, what a son. How old are you guys? But, you know, I think I digress there a little bit, but I, I think the point is made. Like, again, we see another life or the life of people. God is changing a course. And um, verse 20, or G Genesis chapter 22, and uh, we have a few, we're going to, this one's going to go a little bit, so, and this might be some, most of the Bible, some of you, never mind, I ain't going to go there. But um, 22 and 1, <laughs> after these things, now again, after these things, we see this kind of scandal that happens with, with Hagar and everything that happens in, in 21. And I, I, I guess the sidebar to that is, is that in a way, it's almost like Abraham is trying to like take the blessing as opposed to just believing God for the blessing in his son Isaac already, right? But you, you read the story, and you'll see what I mean by that. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Um, he said, take your son, your only son, some foreshadowing here if you guys don't see it already, 
whom you love, excuse me, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall test you, uh, tell you. Stay right there. That burnt offering, the Hebrew word for that is what's called a going up offering. The going up offering there means in its totality. This is, this is, there will, there will be nothing left because of the, of how the sacrifice is to be carried out. This is a burnt offering unto the Lord in a way it was pleasing to his nostrils. So he's asking him in totality, like there will be nothing left of him, right? This is the burnt offering in which he's talking about. Go ahead and go to verse 3. Um, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went into the place which God had told him. On the third day, foreshadowing, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place uh, from afar. When Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. Stay there. I, I, can't underst- I, I can't imagine what Abraham is thinking in this moment as he's now getting ready to follow through on what God has asked him to. But there's even the translation that says, we will go and we will return. There's some faith being spoken there. He understands that he has to do this. But I think he remains faithful or at least understanding like, we are coming back. I know what I have to go do, but we're coming back. And we're going to start to see more of that as this uh, continues. So go ahead and go to verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on (laughs) Isaac, his son. Can you imagine what that must be like? And he took his hand. the fire and the knife, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they went, both of them, together. So he's kind of like holding it, taking it up and everything. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, he said, my son, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Imagine having that conversation. Uh, So we got all the stuff. I know what God is saying. I'm with you, Dad, but you got to help me kind of like bridge this. What's going on here? And so the next verse, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And it's actually still considered, or at least in the Hebrew, the root is God will see to it, is what he's saying. So like, yes, this is happening. God's going to provide, but God will see to it. And I think still wrestling. Like, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'm going to go to verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said. Abraham says it. He says, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked up, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, or the Lord will see to it. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Now he's, he's quoting God here. Declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your, off, your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates, the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Um, when you go backwards in, verse, in chapter 17 and verse 1, God says to Abraham, you will walk with you have to walk with me and be blameless right i think it gets really hard when we think about the things that we have done or are currently doing that somehow disqualify us from what we be, believe or understand the promise of god to be on our lives for anything it doesn't have to be this significant world changing world shaking moment in order for you to fulfill the will of god but he has asked you to do something and we still understand that as we're looking at Abraham's life before his name changes from the exalted father or the one that is lifted up or elevated father to the father of many nations, that he probably made a whole lot of mistakes in one in which we can see publicly in chapter 21 as we're looking at it. But God still gives him that promise because he obeyed God and he marked those who were around him, and God blessed them. I'm still working on the word value here. And so the promise, the promise was asked for to be killed. Because as you go through the rest of your Bible, we can see in many places throughout, gosh, we're talking like you can go to Ezra, you can go into uh, Mark or Matthew, you can go into all these places where we see the lineage that has come from just Abraham obeying God's voice, right? And it, part of that is him obeying God in giving away or to alter a promise that God had given him. And so that was one of the words I wrote down, like, what would you alter, what has God promised you? Maybe, maybe, maybe in that moment, maybe in these moments, you have, to, you have to decide that God is who he says he is. You have to understand that what he does is sovereign and it's in his goodwill for you. That you will come to a place of, of, of whatever you want to call it, like to where you will prosper. But sometimes... It's our hope in the promise instead of the one who gave it. And so you have to alter that promise. Because if you don't, then that will change the course of your life and you're, you're depending more on the thing that you feel God has given you than the one who provided the thing, right? So 
What are you willing to alter today? And I do say today. Um, as we're thinking of altered in this case, because we see Abraham's lives, life altered, we see Sarah's life altered, and then now the AR of alter, now he has to alter his son. And so when we think of like a burnt offering, I just, I can't think, I can't, I can't separate this word of to consume, right? Because to consume means in its whole, all of it. And we, we see glimpses of this in the Bible um, as we're reading through. And I, I just can't help but make the correlation to the word consummate. I don't know if that's the root for it. It just seemed to kind of fit naturally together for me. But to consummate something, right, is to engage. You are now tying something together in covenant, typically for marriage or, or something like that. But I, I just, I can't help but feel like in the moment as you're reading it, how intentional God is being about this moment because the correlation is that intimacy is implied here. Because he has to trust God implicitly. He has to trust him, not even enough, but fully, to take his promise and go burn it. <laughs> and how close can one be to God in that moment to say yes to destroying the thing that he promised you? You have to decide in that moment that even if God hadn't stopped him and it became ashes and your hand, I, I just, I can only connect in this way emotionally. Like this is his son who is literally powder in his hands. Because that's how total it had to be. And still saying, maybe as he's dumping it back on the altar, God, you are good. You're still good. I have to let go of what I wanted. The thing that you promised me, God, you promised me this. I didn't ask to be a dad at a hundred and something years old. I know that you say that I'm going to have generations that will go after me, but I'm here now. And you promised this thing to me, and now I have to get rid of it, and I have to burn it. But how close to God do you have to be to just say, okay, God, I trust you, there has to be intimacy there. There has to be love. You have to decide that you love God more than that thing. And God, um, as he, um, I, just a note, um, as God will, um, oh, so the reconciliation there too, I believe in foreshadowing, has a lot to do with how God gave up Jesus for us. And this is where I believe the title of value fits because the value is intrinsic as in belonging to something by its very nature by our very nature we belong to God right and I just can't help but but think like what do you think the price tag thank you Amelia that is perfect what is your assessed value of that thing do you, do you value it more than? 
God? Do you value it more than the gospel? Do you, do you value that thing more than your neighbor? Do you value that thing more than, I don't know, you can put it in there, and yeah, we can talk about humanitarian and morality stuff and all that, but at the end of the day, there, you, you have to decide what's important and, and how much of the value will you throw on that. And if, it, and if, it, if it's above, <laughs> if it exalts itself above the Lord, it's, it's not going to stand, y'all. It just won't. Foundation then at that point is not on something solid. You're, you're sinking because you're building your hope on something that just will never satisfy you. It just won't. Never. And I say never. And I'm starting to wrap up. Repetition by God is for your consideration. And so the themes today are, are being altered and alter. When God does something in his word by repetition, it's, it's not only supposed to bring your attention to it, but it's a literary construct. It's, a, it's supposed to. There's emphasis on the fact that something is repeated more than once, and in some cases, even more than or about three times. Like, at this point, you must, should. This is, this is something that goes up to say, oh, I should, I should look at this. And I have to say today, with what you put your value on, how much are you willing to alter that thing that you've placed the value on? Because it can ch absolutely change the course of your life. And for some of you, it has. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, God's glory is still going to be met out. Listen, this isn't a pass. <laughs> I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, well, you know, one of the pastors at Boulevard said it was okay to keep doing No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is change course. Do something to alter your life in a way that God will use. Not can, he wants to. He will use you. And in repetition, there, there's emphasis there. And so, what would you regard or submit before him today? Just in that. What would you think about? What's on your mind right now? What, what should you alter and then alter? What today in your mind is something you can say to yourself, you know what, I need to change this. Because some of us, we're continuing to consider still the thing that ultimately, man, it's hard to say, but can destroy you. Not just knock you out of commission or sideline you, because I've been there, but destroy you. At the end of the day, sin fully birthed is death, it says. That's a hard statement, but it's, it's what we understand in our word. It's a true statement. And a lot of times in God's Bible, there is no gray area. <laughs> it says you're either for me or you're against me. 
listen, I didn't, I didn't want it to be like this. <laughs> I swear value was going to be a really uplifting message. We were going to talk about sheep, and I was going to talk about the meme that Pastor West put out there of that sheep that was bounding and fell back in that ditch again. I promise you, that's where I was going. Yeah, that's you. And I, this is what I was woken up with this morning. Boulevard Church is doing some different things this time around. And I'll be probably a little more transparent than I should be, but we've, we've failed in some things categorically. They've been pretty bad. And I say we because I might not have been a part of it still, but I'm here at the time. And God is doing some things that are different. But in order for us to be able to kind of hop in the vehicle that's now driving us, there has to be some responsibility to the thing that we're in. And we have to change what we're doing. And for some of us, that means being more intentional. For some of us, it means learning the things that you don't know right now so you can stop saying, I don't know. Sometimes it means you got to just shut up long enough for that person to say what they need to stay instead of trying to be right. Sometimes it means sitting with someone and crying with them instead of trying to give them an answer. Maybe in the midst of all of this place where we're finding out this word deconstruction has been such a buzzword lately, but it's nothing new. <laughs> it's nothing new. But it's all over our Christian culture. And I've said it before, but do you not realize that in these moments that that's when someone is really, really genuinely seeking out God? Like, is this real? Where are we? Where are you? Where am I? Are we sitting down long enough to talk with them through their questions? Listen, you don't have to have an answer for everything. As a matter of fact, you won't. But I remember when I was, man, this girl Jennifer, I'll never forget it. I used to work at the dive, and some of you have probably heard this before. And she was a practicing Wiccan. And we're sitting there talking about it. She knew I was a Christian. Man, I was, <laughs> I was so radical in my Christianity <laughs> that when I would cut my hair, I would shave a cross right in the middle of my forehead, right up at the top. Didn't even care, because that's who I was. Am, still. And... I remember in the beginning, it started off as she mocked me. And she would just talk, and she would say things in the beginning. But you know what my response was? Do you have questions, Jen? It wasn't, oh, well, my God's bigger than what you buy. Like, it was never this thing. I didn't have to, I didn't have to prove that my dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't me. I, I just, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath. I, in that moment, I took something that was meant to be a bruise and almost like judo. You just kind of use its force against it. And I flipped that thing. And it became a conversation. And for months, she would ask me questions about God. And listen, I didn't see conversion. But she got Jesus for me every time we spoke. And you know what I would do when she would ask me questions? Because typically the hard questions are the ones about morality. 
and things that obviously you want to say yes to, but they're really hard to, 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 to confront sometimes. What I would say to her is, you know what, Jen, I don't know, but let me find out. Sometimes Christians, it's okay to say you don't know. It's all right to come back, but be intentional about coming back to that conversation. Because God is using you in that moment. And I don't know how her life changed. But I remember Jennifer heard Jesus from a radical Christian at the dive. Dive was a dope place. It was a great place to eat, too, if you don't remember it. But um, at the end of the day, guys, and um, I I just want to challenge us. And I say us. It's easy to show up in a building because everybody agrees with you. It's easy to be here because we're all at least in some way kindred. We, we understand each other. But there's a lot of people out there who, just like Pastor West said, can come into a service not knowing anything and see us literally yelling at the ceiling and have no idea about what's going on, and call us crazy. Either God is real, or we've been duped into believing something. All of us. And I say God is real. I say Jesus died for us. I say Jesus did things that were radical. Not everybody could get behind. But that's the point. Sometimes you just, they're just not going to get on with you. You know, there's, a, there's an old saying in business in a way like, the people that you came with aren't always going to end up there with you. Listen, that's not a bad thing. You keep praying for those people and you keep loving them. But you don't turn your back on them, even if you don't see them. And so all I'm, all I'm saying to us today is, there's something different here. And a lot of us have just been playing church even still. This thing is more real than you will ever possibly know on a scale that you can't even imagine. And some people think that that's dangerous to think that, but I don't. At the end of the day, to be absent from the body, I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to have to answer for some things, but I know in whom I trust. And so this is kind of topical, but I just want to, like, encourage you also at the end of the day, like, what you see in front of you, you're like, you're like a horse with blinders. There's, there's so much more going on than you care to realize right now. And some of you just need to open your, your focus And you just need to see what's going on around and understand that there's something. No, there are people that God needs to impact. And sometimes you're the only one that can do it. You're the only one sometimes that can do it. And so I just, I would just challenge you to alter the thing, even if it's God's promise. And let that altar change your life. Um, because this is, this is real. <laughs> People are dying. Dalen prayed about it. People are dying who don't know Christ.
I, I just don't know how much more emphasis I can put on that without going around in circles again or reiterating. I love you guys. Um, man, I don't apologize, but I, I promise it wasn't supposed to be this. And, um, but if, if, it, if it challenged you and it's good for growth, then that's the point, right? So um, I just challenge you guys to grow. I challenge you guys to grow in Christ. There's more that he's given you. And some of you have shut your own mouths. God didn't do it. I just challenge you to open your mouth. Lord, I just thank you for today. That's all right. Lord, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you for what you're doing in, the, in this building, Lord. That's all I can do. Father, I thank you for new purpose and vision, Father God, even though there is nothing new that you have not seen or understood, God. I thank you for these people, Lord. I just ask that you would help us to understand, Father God, that you would have it that all would come to know you. And that none would perish, God. Lord, I just I thank you for what you've done here, Father God. And Lord, let these messages not be beatdowns, God, but encourage us to, to do something about what we're seeing, Father God, to, to speak life into things that people are saying are dead, Father God. And Lord, to be your ambassadors on this planet, Father God, on this earth. And, Lord, I thank you for what you've done here today, Father. And I just ask that you would just um, bless them, Lord, bless their day. And, uh, Lord, whatever encounters we need to have, let those things be so in Jesus' name. Amen.